to begin with a prayer this morning as we ask the Spirit to, uh, to lead us where we need to be led. Uh, let's pray right now. God, we, we ask that you would lead us, God, in the midst of storms, in the midst of the oceans, in the midst of the questions, in the midst of the doubt, in the midst of the worry, in the midst of all of these things in our lives, God, we, we, tr- we want to have put our trust in you, God. So this morning, as we come to the text, as we come as people who are in the midst of uh, all kinds of questions, I pray you would meet us here and that we would learn to trust uh, your spirit, God, in all things. This morning, God, I pray you would pour through me the gift of preaching so that Christ would be formed in our hearts. And it's the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Today, I want to get a a bit more practical about the Holy Spirit, uh, because I know this can be a a, kind of a nebulous conversation, hard to get our hands around. And yet, I also want to say, if anyone claims to explain exactly what the Holy Spirit is without any kind of mystery, probably ought to run away in that moment, right? Because there's a mystery to God, there's a mystery to the Holy Spirit that I think we do well to respect and to not be able to name everything. In fact, I think it's real dangerous to say exactly who God is because the moment we put him in a box with our language is the moment we miss uh, the grandeur, the mystery, the, the bigness, the awe, the wonder. He always steps out of, out of the boxes that we create for him. Uh, so there's a mystery to this. Uh, but I want to start this morning uh, by uh, reading from the book of James. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me if you would, your phones, your tablets. Uh, James 1 verse 5 is where I want to read from. This morning, I really want to speak to those of you who may be walking through a a fork in your road this morning. Maybe it is a choice that you've got in your life right now between one thing or or another thing. Uh, I want to talk about discernment and how do we discern the will of God? How do we use wisdom and and how's the Spirit tied up in all of that as we uh, head forward into whatever it is that God has for us this week? Some of us have have walked out of big decisions like this. Some of us are in the midst of those questions and, and, of course, all of us in the days to come. We'll face these forks in the road, and I believe God wants to speak into those. Let's read from James 1, verse 5. This is what James writes. It's the brother of Jesus. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. You need wisdom, ask God, and he's willing to give it to us. Sometimes I've, I've imagined God as this God who has all these storehouses in heaven. You know, in Job, he talks about the storehouses with snow. Have you seen where it all comes from? But I imagine him with this, this large amount of wisdom up in heaven, and part of me thinks he just kind of trickles it out a little bit by a little bit. But that's not what James says. James says, if you desire wisdom, God wants to graciously give it to you. Ask. Ask him for that wisdom, and he will generously give it to you. But, but ask him without doubt, because this is a God who comes through on our behalf. How many of you this morning, you just need an extra dose of wisdom right now in what you're walking through? How to traverse this culture, how to deal with parenting issues, how to deal with your parents now who are walking into a new phase of life that's a new challenge. We all face these challenges that we need wisdom from God to help us sort through. I'm someone who constantly wants to know the will of God. God, if you would just tell me what it is you want, I'll walk through those doors. Sometimes it's hard to figure out exactly what he's calling us to. Over the last few weeks, we've talked through the the gospel of John, verses 14 to 16. We've come back to those chapters. And there are three chapters where Jesus is trying to comfort the disciples. He's about to leave them. Before he leaves them, he gives them these words of comfort, words of encouragement. He talks about the Holy Spirit. 
in these three chapters. Now, I want to remind you of a word that really is translated as spirit in this passage, or as advocate is how it sometimes shows up talking about the Holy Spirit. It's the word paraclete in the Greek. And paraclete can mean one of three things. It can mean helper, it can mean advocate, or it can mean one who comes alongside, one who is beside us. Imagine yourself on a road trying to figure out which door to walk through, which path you're going to go down as you have questions. The Spirit's one who's there beside us, who walks alongside us as a counselor, as a helper, as an advocate, which is a great help and something that we need. And that's good news, but sometimes I wish that advocate would come along and make things a little clearer, don't you? There's a story in the Old Testament of a guy named Gideon. It's in the book of of Judges, his story. And Gideon's minding his own business one day, working in his father's threshing floor. He's threshing weed, and all of a sudden, this angel of the Lord appears and shows up and says something to Gideon as he's going about his daily task. He says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And Gideon looks around going, who else is here? Because that's not me God's talking to. Mighty warrior? But he realizes the angel's actually talking to him. And, and, and so he responds back to the angel, and he says, is that is that you, God? Are, are you talking to me? And, and if you're talking to me, then I've got a question for you. Where have you been, God? Right now, Midian has overtaken us. Where have you been? We hear stories about the ancestors long ago where you parted the Red Sea for them. We hear those stories, but it seems like that's not happening in our day. And I would love if you would show up. Where have you been, God? And he says, listen, Gideon, I'm calling you to a task. I've got a task. You're actually going to be leading my people. You need to step up. Go and save Israel from the hand of Midian. And again, Gideon responds. He says, are you talking to me? Really, God? I mean, I'm the smallest member of the smallest family of the smallest tribe in all of Israel. You've got the wrong guy. Sound like Moses a few years before, right? God calls him, and the question is, no, you've got the wrong guy. Maybe some of you have heard this call from God in your life. Your question really comes down to, God, you must have the wrong person. If God calls you, he prepares you. You don't need to be worried about if you're the right person. And it's not gonna, you're not going to be enough on your own, but if the spirit of the living God's living inside you, whatever he calls you to, he will equip you to accomplish. And so finally, Gideon kind of opens up to the idea, and he, but he needs a sign from God. And so he, God says, all right, lay your goat out. I'm going to create a sacrifice right in this moment. and just strikes it on the spot, which I'm thinking, if I had a call from God I needed, I would love it. If he would just, you know, create a stake for me on the spot just to show me, you know, he's calling me, right? Isn't that a great, great way he does it? But that's not enough for Gideon. Gideon says, I don't know, God. Uh, maybe, maybe I need another sign. And so as the story goes on, Gideon says, well, okay, I've got this idea, God. Okay, I've got this wool fleece. And I'm going to lay it out. And, and, and what I'm going to ask you to do is if the fleece is wet and the grass around it is dry, then I'll know you're calling me to what you're saying. This isn't some other voice. And so... The next morning he wakes up and he goes to look and sure enough, the fleece is wet and the grass is dry all around it. And he, and he says, okay, that's great, God, great trick, but let's try it the other way, right? I know some of you have had this happen, right? You know what God's calling you to do and you're like, let's try it one more time to make sure. So he says, hey, instead of it that way, let's do it another way this time. Why don't you keep the fleece dry tomorrow morning and, and allow the dew to make the grass wet around it? And, so the next morning, he wakes up, and sure enough, that's exactly what happens. The grass is wet. The fleece uh, is dry. And I don't know about you, but stories like that, I'm thinking, I-, I wish I had signs like this when I need to know an answer. I wish I wisdom when we call for it in James 1, we pray for it. It would look like that because that seems like a clear response to a question. 
And here's what I'm finding about my life with God, about my life with the Spirit, this advocate, this helper, is I'm becoming more and more comfortable with naming the Holy Spirit's work when it's in my rearview mirror, but I'm having a real hard time trying to say what the Spirit does in the moment. And I think part of what the spiritual disciplines do, our connection with the Holy Spirit, as we grow and grow fruit on our branches, I think one of the things that begins to happen is the time frame between being able to see the Spirit's work in the past and the Spirit's work in the present begins to close a bit. Have you noticed this? Some of you who've walked with the Spirit for a while, it's like almost in the moment you can begin to sense, I, I, I see what the Spirit is up to. Or when something happens, the question is, God, I know you're about to do something. I, I'm excited and I'm waiting on my toes in expectancy for what's about to occur. So how do we do this, though? How do we close that gap between being able to say about God's work in the past and being able to name that work in the present? And so I guess that's my question. How do we discern the Spirit's movement? I I think many of you would like to know the same thing. But before we get to that question, I want to talk about a common misperception that many of us, I think, have about the Holy Spirit and God's will. The common misperception is this, that there's one clear path that God has set out for us that's his will for our lives, and if we stray from it, somehow he removes his presence from us. I know growing up, this was kind of my view, is that there was good decisions and there are bad decisions. There There are paths that God blesses and there are paths that he doesn't bless. It's like God's like this divine, let's make a deal game show host, right? It's like there's two doors. Imagine these two doors on stage, kind of the fork in the road, and maybe you need to name these doors this morning. What's the question that you're struggling through that you'd like God to define exactly what you need to do moving forward? And you've got these two options, and, and, and used to it would be like, okay, I know one of these is the right one, and one of them is the wrong one. God, if you just reveal it, if you'd open a door, if you'd close it, then man, I'll step through that door. But it, it's like he knows what's on the other side is this, let's make a deal, uh, a game show host, and he's and I'm waiting to decide if we see what the Spirit's calling us to do, which is really hard when you're standing on the other side of the door. How do, how do I know which is the right path to take? You had these moments before? Well, she the one? Is, is he the one I'm supposed to marry? Do I take this job or do I take that job? Is this the home that God wants us to live in or, or maybe he's got something else for us? Is this the time we're supposed to move or really is this a place we need to plant roots? It can be paralyzing, can't it? To have these forks in the road, to have these two options ahead of us, and we don't know exactly what God's blessing and what he's not, and so we're paralyzed. There's door one, there's door two, there's good, there's bad, there's blessed, there's not blessed. And a good percentage of my life has been spent trying to decide, what's God's will? What's the door he wants me to walk through? You know, it, it comes out in several ways, it, it, simple ways. We make decisions every day, all kinds of decisions that make an impact on our lives. Like, do I take 75 or the tollway, that can make a big impact in your life, right? Or do I order salad or do I order fried chicken? Do I raise the issue or do I just let it slide this time? And maybe the most important in my life right now, which kid instigated the fight, right? Like we make all of these decisions all the time, trying to sort through who it is and how it is and where we're supposed to walk. And our lives are determined by these small seemingly insignificant decisions that set our lives on a course. And for much of my life, I believed, you know, God's got one of these doors that he's going to bless and one that he's not. One door leads to life and the other doesn't. And I remember thinking through most of my decisions, just paralyzed by what, what do I do and what's on the other side? 
I, I remember it this way. There, there's one woman who's out there for me. It's my soulmate. And if I can just figure out who that is, God, I'll, I'll walk down that path. Or, you know, there's one university or, or, or there's one trade school that I need to go to, and this will be the path that will set me on a course toward the profession that I'll go to. I don't want to waste 10 years of my life, God. What is it you want me to walk down so that I can walk down that path? And it's paralyzing. Because if life is a series of doors we have to successfully navigate in order for God to be found on the other side, uh, it's pretty hopeless in my case. And if that's true, then God has to like confirm every single decision. You just lay fleece out all the time and hope uh, against all hope that you'll hear his voice. You've been down this road before. Does this sound familiar to you? I've got to tell you, I'm coming to believe that God's presence in our lives is not dependent on our ability to always discern his will perfectly. He doesn't remove himself from those, uh, his spirit from those that don't make the decision that maybe he would want us to make. Uh, now, some doors are obviously closed to Christ's followers. Let me say that just to start out. And I'll talk about boundaries for discernment in, in just a little bit. But if I'd gone to the uh, university that wasn't Abilene Christian, my guess is that God would have found me on the other side and he would have walked with me down that path. I might not be the preacher at this church. It might have sent me down another career path, but I'm guessing that's probably the case. The same would be true about a different career path. I could have gone to be an attorney and gone to law school, and God could have blessed that. I guess. Attorneys, right? Can they be used by God or not? Yeah. And and then there's the woman I married, right? This whole soulmate idea we have in our culture. I, I really, truly believe I could have married another woman other than Holly and actually had a good life. I said that in first service and had a joke after it. I say it because she's not here, but she's actually here in this service, so that's no joke. Now, we've talked about this before, and I think this is a crucial point. Hear me closely on this, okay? Because when we think we have one door to go down when it comes to our, our spouse that we make a decision for in life, here's what goes wrong when we think there's only one soulmate for us. is we go into trouble in our marriage, and things don't click as easily as you think it would, and your thought can easily go to, I must have taken a wrong turn back at the door. I must have chosen the wrong person and my soulmate's out there and God wouldn't want me to be unhappy in choosing the wrong person he had for me. And all of a sudden we begin to rationalize sin by stepping away from covenants that we've made our lives and committed them to. So I'm loving life with Holly, don't hear me wrong. But to make this so definitive that there's one path and the other's not blessed, it's amazing how that can lead us into further directions away from God rather than toward him. In fact, it's interesting uh, to listen to the kinds of people uh, or the th- things that people in their lives think that God does for them, the way the Spirit works. Like my mom, she's a woman of great faith, and she's a prayer warrior. And so she, when she goes to a parking lot, she'll pray for a parking spot, which I don't because I don't want to be frustrated with God. But it always, seems to, it always seems to open up for her. She claims, you know, God, anyway. And then I hear after-game interviews with, the, bit, the team after the win, right? And there's people that talk about how God created the touchdown in the moment and won the game. And maybe God's interested in football. I don't know. But when foot, football players insinuate that God won them the football game, it makes you wonder why he's spending all this time on football and not on the 800 million people in the world without clean water. It just, it, it causes these doubts in me. I don't know about you. Maybe you think God's big enough that he can kind of do all that, but it just creates all these questions for me. Why, why does he do this and why does he not do this? What's God up to? What's the Spirit up to 
in the world. But the question I want to address this morning comes back to those two doors. And however you label those doors this morning, however you're trying to figure out the the future that God's leading you toward the path. Again, I don't think it's one path, but I do believe there are seasons and times where God calls specific people to specific things. And so if we're going to seek God's best, how do we discern his will? How do we do the best we can with the doors that we have in front of us? I want to give you three steps that have been helpful for me as I go through these forks in the road that mentors have helped me to see. The first is this, how the Holy Spirit works in these door one, door two questions. The Holy Spirit helps us discern God's will through the Bible. The Holy Spirit helps us discern God's will through the Bible. Spiritual direction has to begin with a commitment to the Word of God. Because the, word, the, the thing about inspiration is the Holy Spirit has inspired the Word of God. It's, it's a God-breathed text. That's what inspire means, to breathe life into. God's breathed life into this through His Spirit. And so these words that we have in front of us in Scripture, they're, they're, they've been inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so it helps us to see there are boundaries that God has given us to say the Spirit's not going to help us see God's will uh, outside of the will that's already been revealed in the Scripture that He's given to us. Does that make sense? So someone comes to me and says, um, I'm, I'm married to this person, but my soulmate, is someone else, it's obvious that I've made a mistake. I'm going to go and marry that person and divorce this person. I'm going to say that's, that's not the will of God because that's not the boundaries that Scripture gave to us about covenant and how we're supposed to live our lives. Like there are certain things you could come and tell me the Spirit told you. And if I can see in Scripture where the Spirit's already said that's not actually how the Spirit works and how we're supposed to live as the people of God, then I can clearly say, I'm sorry, that's not God's will. And I, I'll, I hope we all would speak that into the life of someone that we love, if they're stepping out of the ways that the Scripture has been uh, inspired by, by the Holy Spirit. Now, within the boundaries of that outlined Scripture, there's all kinds of questions of good and better ways that we can walk in our lives, right? Things that aren't just the thus saith the Lord. Those boundaries are there, but how do you make these decisions in between? And so the second way I, I see, uh, or the second uh, test for this comes to the Holy Spirit helps us discern God's will through the Spirit's prompting, counsel, convicting, and encouraging. And this is where it gets a little more muddy, right? For those of us who maybe know Scripture, but we're not so familiar or comfortable with the Holy Spirit's work and prompting in our lives. Some of you are much more comfortable with that than you are even Scripture in some ways. God gifts us in different ways, but the Spirit prompts us in certain ways. And we do our best not to quench that Spirit when that's given. Now, I think it's important for us to realize that all of our instincts aren't necessarily the Spirit's prompting in our lives. Like, I've had a lot of instincts in my life that were not from the Holy Spirit. And so just because we feel something doesn't mean it's the Spirit at work in our lives. But I think it's important to test those things. I think it's important to not just push those things away and say the Spirit doesn't work in that way. The Spirit does work as a counselor. The Spirit does work as an encourager. The Spirit reminds us of all that Jesus told us about the truth. This is what it says in John 14 to 16. And here's what I'm finding about the Spirit as well, is if I like what I think the Spirit's telling me to do, it might not be the Spirit. Usually, when the Spirit calls something into my life, it makes me more uncomfortable than it does comfortable. There's discomfort, because the Spirit's work is to form us in the image of Jesus, and often that looks different than what I would first desire. And so, again, I think the more we grow in faith, the more the fruit of the Spirit is in our lives, the more our promptings begin to be more centered on who the Spirit is. But early on in the journey, I almost learned to trust against my instincts. Anything I thought should be the way I go, that's not 
the way of God. But there's a third piece that's really important because you've got these objective boundaries that Scripture gives. You've got these internal subjective promptings of the Spirit that we listen to. But the third piece is really vital for us. The Holy Spirit helps us discern God's will, number three, through Holy Spirit-filled people who help us discern God's movement in our lives. And this has been a godsend for me because it's so easy to do the first two alone, isn't it? You read Scripture, you, you feel that prompting and instinct of the Spirit, but the third is to test that with others who are Spirit-filled people. Now notice, I did not say, get people around you who tell you what you want to hear and see what they have to say. I'm talking about people who have the fruit of the Spirit in their lives, who have your best interest at heart, and truly are people who are discerning with prayer, with Scripture. They need to know those boundaries as well so they can give you proper advice and guidance along the way. Who are those people in your life that, that fit the number three category? That when things get tough, that you don't know the way to go, that you, you have these promptings of the Spirit, you begin to test those things against other godly people. If you're not in a connecting point group in this church, I want to encourage you to be a part of one because I think this is where this needs to happen. Is there are people that we do life with that when questions come up, when forks in the road come, and we don't know the next step to take, we test out what discernment we should have with other spirit-filled people. And right now, you may be in a place where your group isn't engaged in that. You know, it's much more study than it is the real questions of life that you're walking through. And I want to encourage our groups this week to actually have a conversation about this very topic. How do we become the kind of group? that can help one another sort through life struggles, can do life together, not just in reading Scripture together, but walking through the real questions that we're struggling with. You ought to know that you can go uh, midweek or on a Sunday night to a group, and that whatever the plan is for the lesson, that it, it's going to be more important for you to get guidance in your life through that group. And it may be through the Scripture itself that that comes. I'm not, I'm not denying the importance of Scripture being worked out in those groups, but how do we do life together and help each other discern a way forward? We need that. And that's a place where that needs to happen, I think, more and more. I would love to see it happen more and more. So these three things, again, I want you to think about this. There are boundaries that, that Scripture gives us, the way the Spirit has already inspired Scripture to help us see. But there are all the, also these subjective internal promptings the Spirit gives to us. And the more we align ourselves with the Holy Spirit, the more I think we can learn to trust those instincts. But always a third piece of bringing Spirit-filled people into our lives to help us discern together what God seems to be up to. This has proved so helpful in my life. One of the spiritual exercises uh, that's been so helpful to me has been a spiritual practice called examine. It's been done for centuries, and basically what I do is when I hit, my head hits the pillow at night, and I don't fall asleep immediately because it's been one of those days, right? I try to think back over my schedule in the day prior, and, and, and my questions are this. I have three questions I just kind of sort through. The first is, God, where, where did I live in tune with your desire for my life? Where the moments actually said yes to the Spirit of God and not yes to my carnal desires? Where did I live as my true self and not my uh, false self? The second question I ask is, where did I not live in tune with my commitments and who I claim to be? Where, where is my life not showing integrity in terms of the man I commit to be, who my family can expect to be? Where were the moments in my day where I, I showed anger to my kids or a lack of patience? Where are the moments where I didn't follow the prompting of the Spirit to speak to someone a word of encouragement? rather than, and just remain silent with that. Third question, though. Where did I see God at work in my life today? Where did I see God at work in my life today? And that's a hard question at first, because what in the world does that mean? Where's, how, how do you define where God is? And what I found is to have this conversation with others, spirit-filled people, I begin to learn where they see God at work in their lives, and I begin to see things I don't see on my own. 
begin to see how they saw God at work, and it's like, well, is that really God at work? I, I, would, I would have never seen it, but the Spirit seems to be speaking that through you. So in summary, the Bible gives us objective standards. The Holy Spirit gives us promptings, but we discern together. And I think when there's a marriage and a convergence of those three factors, we can trust that word much more than just kind of whatever we think is best in, in going forward. But in the end, I believe God is less concerned with the specific decisions we make than the person we're becoming through the decisions He makes. We, we make. You can walk through door one or door two, and the reality is some of those decisions are going to go well, and you're going to say, well, I, I guess I can trust the Spirit. I guess I'm learning to walk in step with the Spirit. When things go well, it's like, I, I picked the right door. God has blessed this. But there's other times where it doesn't go so well, right? Other times we're, we're learning that God wants to redirect us. And some of those hardest moments have been the moments I haven't followed God's will and I've had to correct course and learn uh, that how I'm walking is not the way he desires me to walk. But whatever door you walk through, the Spirit can continue to work in your life to prompt you to see that it was the right way or, or, or to correct course and repent and turn back. But here's the good news. I mean, go, go back to that picture, if you would, of the doors. And maybe you need to label those this morning, whatever it is in your life. What is it? What, what's the choice you have set before you? And the reality is God's not behind door one or door number two. Because what we've learned in this series is that the Spirit of God indwells every single one of us. So whether you walk through door number one or door number two, the destination is not God on the other side. The truth is that God and His Spirit live inside you whichever door you decide to walk through. And it may look like correction down the road or it may look like affirmation of the journey He's planned. But He's with you. His Spirit never leaves you. So this morning as we close our time, I want to read a passage from Psalm 139. It's a message that David wrote years ago. Psalm 139, verse 8. And if you're struggling through the challenge of all this about door one, door two. I want to give you this as a word of affirmation about the Spirit's presence in your life, whichever way you might go. Again, David, the guy who stepped outside the clear boundaries of where Scripture would have led him. It's actually 139 verse 7. Where can I go from your Spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. I love this because this is David of all people, right? It's like he couldn't wander off. Jonah is the same way. He tries to run away from God, but the presence of God is there even on the journey that was far away from his will. So wherever you rest this week, whether it's through the right door or the wrong door, whether it's down the path God wants you to, I want to assure you, for those of us who are in Jesus Christ, that spirit will, will be with you whichever door you enter through. May we seek the path of righteousness. May we follow within these boundaries that Scripture gives. May we follow these promptings of the Spirit. May we always test them with the Spirit-filled people in our lives. But let me assure you, He's always with you, no matter where you may go. Let's pray as we close today. God, I, I thank you so much for your word and the way it affirms the truth of who you are. I thank you for your spirit who reminds us of all truth and leads us into all truth. And God, today in the midst of the big questions that each of us seem to be asking, I pray that you would lead us. God, I thank you that we don't walk through one door and find out that you're not with us, but that you walk with us even through our mistakes and our struggles. So God, this morning, we want to repent. We want to we walk away from the paths that have led away from you. 
God, we want you to help us discern with your spirit a way forward, always trusting that you're with us. God, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your spirit that lives within us. And I pray we would not quench that spirit. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.